Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Working Change. This is Nate. And Marla. And uh, we're going to try to plow through an evening session. We normally try to do this in the morning when Mm -hmm. we're bright-eyed and (laughs) bushy-tailed. That is not happening this week. So... There are moments we are bright-eyed, but let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not usually at 9 Pushy o'clock tilt. at night. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, if you'd like to reach us, um, you can reach us at workingchangecoaching at gmail.com. And uh, so, if you have any questions or there's anything you'd like to hear more about, let us know. We appreciate uh, all the feedback that we get. Um, so... We were we were struggling on what to to work on, and and we went back and forth on a few things, and ultimately I decided, or or we decided, probably <laughs> with me being a little bit more, I would like this, um, and you were being amenable, mm-hmm. um, so we we landed on trust, and and trust is a pretty broad topic as we discovered yes we went down the rabbit hole and we were like oh my goodness (laughs) yeah it was uh, a little overwhelming it was very overwhelming but very educational yeah it was good it was good um we had to narrow it down a little bit because it was just way too much information to talk about in 30 minutes or less (laughs) so we probably will talk about trust in other i don't know what what's the best way to put that other life situations, other scenarios, neither of those are great. Yeah. Other so There's other situations. aspects of yes. our life where trust matters. Well, trust permeates, I think, every part of life. You mm-hmm. know, we just, we have to trust certain things or you just, you would walk around super anxious and crazy. Right. So, um, and paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> so, trust is an important part of, of human life as we discovered <laughs> yes it is it's it's very broad and um and so we we went ahead and just settled on romantic relationships so this is trust within a romantic relationship now we'll talk about a couple things that are uh, that are broadly trust based right. right. but um but our main focus is going to be romantic relationships as a therapist it seems to be something that i speak with people about often whether it's couples or mm-hmm. individuals that are trying to navigate, um, you know, rough waters, going through the difficult relationship challenges, um, that that can be really impactful in a person's life. Yes, it can. I, so, I, I know as both you and I, this is our next marriage. <laughs> I don't know what's a good way of putting that. Oh, yeah. We are not on our first marriage. We're not on our first marriage here. So trust can be an issue. We've both experienced mm-hmm. the trust issue of yeah. relationship um, drama. Yeah. So yeah. it can be a huge thing. Mm-hmm. It can. So I thought that I'd start with just a definition. And I pulled this from Psychology Today. It's not a real broad definition, but at least it gives us something to start with. It's like it's a working definition that we can start with. Okay, let's hear it. So the definition that they have is the belief that someone or something can be relied on to do what they say they will. What do you think about that? <laughs> Too narrow? Um, you can say a lot more. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. I, I don't know. Maybe I just wanted to complicate it all and have something really you know, grand as a definition, but I guess this is it. 
It's you pretty know? simple. Hey, you say you're going to do what you're going to say and you do it. You mm-hmm. know, I trust you. Yeah, it's pretty So simple. I think it's, sometimes it's great to be simple though. Yes. So this is very easy. You know, yeah. the belief that when Nate says he's going to do it, I can rely on him that he's going to do it. Yeah, and and you know it's interesting in kind of this whole process. I've been kind of like evaluating myself, and I'm like, yeah, I got. I still have some work to do. I'm 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 better than I used to be. I can say as as someone. I mean, maybe I'm always a recovering addict, but I'm I'm sober now. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I was not trustworthy, and I knew I wasn't trustworthy. I don't know. Maybe there were part. There were times that I just really wanted to believe that I was, but but deep down inside, I knew I wasn't. Right. So, um, and we'll talk about it like in a minute. What, why exactly? I wasn't trustworthy, and, and we kind of <laughs> wow. break, break down. Well, not specific. I can't wait for yeah, this. I know. <laughs> it's we're like wanna... five minutes into this, and yeah, it's getting deep. Um. So why does trust matter, Nate? Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, I, who cares if you do what you say you're going to do? Well, so in (laughs) truth, (laughs) we're wired to trust. And and the reason why we're wired to trust is because, you know, for me, I talk about this a lot with my clients. Like you have to understand the world your brain grew up in. Mm -hmm. Like we have a brain that was developed over who knows how many thousands of years in tribal types of situations. So without the tribe, you were dead. Like right. You could not survive on your own. There were too many predators. You, you needed other people in order to survive. Right. And so our brain wants to trust because our brain wants to survive. I mean. Well, I would even say that, you know, from a mother-child perspective, when you come out, you are trusting someone else is going mm-hmm. to take care of you. Yeah. You know, you cry and you want someone to come. You know, and and take care of you. Right. So you're trusting that somebody is going to be there. Like from the very beginning, trust is just something that we need. Right. So I thought it would be helpful because you know that I kind of geek out about the brain. So Yeah, I think I looked up a couple articles just about that for you. Yes, and I appreciated <laughs> that. Handed them on to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I appreciated that. So there's a few different things that are interesting. Mm-hmm. One is, is when we're in an entrusting environment, our brain will release the hormone oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Oxytocin is like the, the be happy with other people um, hormone, the love hormone, some people call mm-hmm. it. It's not just in romantic relationships. It's, it's also in like mother-child relationships. It's also in close friend relationships and familial relationships. So, so oxytocin is one of those hormones that helps us feel close to people. The other thing that oxytocin does, which is fascinating is it, is it reduces amygdala function. And I don't know if I've said it enough times on here. The amygdala is a fascinating (laughs) part of the brain for me because I have, or I was diagnosed with, uh, generalized anxiety disorder <laughs> and the amygdala is the king of generalized anxiety disorder if you have an anxiety disorder your amygdala is almost certainly overactive right and uh and so if you can have some little hormone or neurochemical reduce amygdala functioning you're winning i.e. <laughs> reducing your anxiety level right. that's awesome right 
I mean, Best we, drug we take ever. pills for <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, you can do that naturally. <laughs> yeah. So, so when I was reading about that, I was like, oh, I love that. I love that. And it's funny. I am no longer on medication for anxiety. Now, I don't know if something really stressful happened. I, maybe I would need to get back on it. I right. don't know, but right. I don't. I'm not on it now, for for the first time in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And when I look at my life, one of the the big changes that I've made is I look at my my willingness to be social. Mm-hmm. I, I am an introvert. I know I'm an introvert. You're a lot more social than when I met you. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 And so I have to wonder if if me being social, developing close friendships, and fostering those could be the oxytocin, could be reducing some of the amygdala function. I don't know. Just a thought. Nice. Yeah. Um, so the other piece of, of trusting is the two brain areas that seem to really be active when it comes to to people trusting other people is the ventral striatum and the medial prefrontal cortex. Okay. So the ventral striatum immediately caught my attention. Uh, the ventral striatum is, is part of our, is part of the dopamine pathway and mm-hmm. um, dopamine is, is a, a key contributor to things like reward processing. That area in particular is often associated with positive emotions. So, the the reason that it caught my attention was because I have ADHD and people that have ADHD have reduced activity in the ventral striatum. So I actually looked this up because I was very curious about it. So you don't trust people. That's what I found. People with ADHD are less likely to trust other people. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of reasons that were cited. One was because we have a tendency to say things off the cuff because we're very impulsive, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or do something that's awkward because Mm -hmm. again, we're very impulsive and and we have a hard time controlling ourselves. We, we begin to develop this kind of awkwardness around other people. And so that was believed to be part of the reason that, 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 that people with ADHD struggle with relationships. I don't know whether or not you could say that that causes reduced function in the ventral striatum. We don't know what causes, like, you know, what came first. At this point, we're kind of, is this a chicken or egg type thing? Right, right. But if someone has reduced functioning in that brain area, they are going to be less trusting naturally. Hmm. So for all of you with ADHD or if you know people with ADHD or have a child with ADHD, just be aware of that. It's going to be harder for these children to trust people based on what we know about brain functioning in people with ADHD. Thanks for sharing the good news. Yes. Okay. So I've been talking a long time. Sorry about that. No, I'm just, I'm like one more thing for poor ADHD people and those who love them. Well, yeah. But you know, the one thing with ADHD is we do always have that superpower, which is if we like it, it is, it takes almost it's no all effort. all about that. Almost yeah. no effort that's to focus true. on. And, and so that's So amazing. once they trust you, they always trust you? Uh, I think it has more to do with uh, yeah <laughs> things you're interested in. I guess yes, you're interested yes. in trust, but there you go. Yeah. All right, so we got all this brain functioning and, yes, and whatever. Not. Yes. Let's move on to the key components of trust. Okay. So I found an article from my alma mater, so I wanted to go off of that. <laughs> I actually found a few different articles that had a different. It's kind of like the recipe for trust. Okay. So this one had four. Components. I like it. An easy recipe. Yeah, I went with the the one with the fewest ingredients. Ingredients. <laughs> Good so job. So, <laughs> would you like to share those with us? Mm, 
I don't know. Do you want me to share your recipe? No, I think you should. <laughs> okay. You're, From you're what I remember, a way better cook than I am. <laughs> you told me that the one of the first ones is benevolence, which that's an awesome word, just right. By itself. <laughs> now, and this is in the sense of me looking at another person and the way that I view them. Okay. These are the things that I need to believe about that person in order to trust them. So I need to believe that they're benevolent. Yes. Which, which is, is you are kind. Yeah. So if I look at this person and I say, man, they're a really kind person, I am more likely to trust them, mm-hmm. which makes sense, I mm-hmm. think, you yeah. know? I mean, if they're a kind person, they're going to do nice things, kind things. They're not going to do you dirty and stab you in the back. So right. you're more likely to think it's a safe thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one was integrity. Mm-hmm. So integrity with the respect of like, are they ethical mm-hmm. and are they honest? Yep. I mean, think about it. If you see somebody stealing something, you're like, I'm not going to trust that person with, right. with Here, my purse. Watch my backpack. Exactly. So if you can see them and they behave in an ethical way or um, an honest way, you're more likely to trust them. You know, how many times did someone do something unethical or dishonest and you're like, oh man, I'm, they're done. I'm never trusting them again. Right. Um, the third component, so we have benevolence, are you kind, integrity, are you ethical and honest? And the third one, competence, which initially I was like, what? (laughs) That's an interesting one. Yeah. 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 So can they do what, um, what we need them to do or what they say they're going to do? Yeah. Do we think that they really can, you know, if they say they can do 100 jumping jacks, can they really do 100 jumping jacks? Right. We want to know that they're... They actually can do what they say they can do. <laughs> right. And I and I kind of mold over this one for yeah. a little bit. And we'll tell you what I landed on is is anytime people enter in a relationship, it's 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 like a negotiation. Yeah. Like these are these are the things I bring to the table, these are the things that you bring to the table. <laughs> Could you imagine it? <laughs> I know. On the that, dating apps. I'm gonna bring that's this to the table. That's not a particularly okay. romantic. <laughs> we'll talk about that on another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but but ultimately, you know. For for a lot of people, when they enter into a, a, a serious relationship, yeah, they are trusting that the person is who they say they are, and mm-hmm. that they can do what they say you know they're going to do. So, um, you know, if I or you, maybe maybe in this case, you entering in a relationship with me, I was still in grad school, right? But part of what you were trusting is that I would be competent once graduating. To actually work as a therapist because at the time you weren't I wasn't no yeah, yeah. so right so for you you know that that was part of and I'm sure if I had graduated me like oh, I'm deciding that I'm not going to do this that would have damaged your trust right possibly yes I've had problems with that in my, my past <laughs> life so yeah yeah competence is is really important I'm and just Putting it out there that you can do, you know, I can do this and you say that you're going to do it and making sure you do it mm-hmm. is really important. Yep. Kind of bleeds into that, you know, am I honest? You know, if I say I can do it, let's be honest and really do it. Right. Kind of thing. So I like that. So that's the third one. So benevolence, integrity, competence, and the last one, good old predictability. Yes. That's the one that's a major problem when you're an addict. Yeah, if I put this quarter in this slot machine, is it going to give me what I needed? You know, every time, you know, how predictable are you well, at something? you would like to think that the most trustworthy people are the people you just know what they're going to do. Right. That's why they're trustworthy. Right. 
when I mean when you're an addict, you know, you almost could say I was predictable in that you could go ahead and assume that I was going to do something stupid with my addiction. Like <laughs> there that, you go. that was predictable. You were very predictable. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, that was damaging yeah. my life and other people's life. And so they don't want to like assume that, Oh great. There he goes. Messing right. up our life again. Right. So those are the components of trust. Yeah. So, benevolence. Are you kind? Integrity. Or are you ethical, honest, competence? Can you do what you say you're going to do and predictability? Mm-hmm. You know, so, when you say you're going to be there at eight, you're always there at eight. Right, right. Now, this is this is something that I ended up kind of landing on. I work um, as a facilitator in a 12-step program. And, and I was sitting there and I was looking at this and I was like, you know, it's nice to see all these pieces because you can, you can look at yourself mm-hmm. and say, can I trust myself? Right. Which is which sounds stupid in some ways, but I can I can tell you from I don't even know how many people I've talked with in therapy mm-hmm. that are just like after something goes horribly bad in their life, they're like, I don't even know if I feel like I can trust my own judgment. Right, right. And and so part of this I think is the idea that if you are those things and you made the best decision at the time, I wouldn't just assume that you you're not your judgment isn't trustworthy. Sometimes things just don't work out. Um, there was that quote that I shared with you that I thought would be uh, cool to share. I've shared it with a few clients. So my sister has a really close friend that put this on her Facebook. I'd never heard it before. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't actually know who said it, which I should, but <laughs> I don't. I think I think I saw that it was a quote. It was um, attributed to a man named Charlie Wardle, who I don't know, but I think he was an author. Okay, but it's I, I like it in the in the concept of self trust, okay. which I think is an, is an important thing. Um, so he wrote, "A bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because its trust is not on the branch but on its own wings." And I and I think that that's a really important concept for us to grasp when it comes to trust. Like, can we, am I trustworthy? Do I trust myself? Did I make the best decision or what I perceive to be the best decision in that moment? Even if it didn't work out, sometimes in Western societies, we're very focused on the outcome. And if it was a bad outcome, it meant it was a bad decision, but that's, I don't believe that that's correct. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could make the best decision you thought at the time and have a bad outcome and that's just how it worked out. There's, right. And there's no way to tell that, that any other decision you might have made wouldn't have had a worse outcome or, or equally bad outcome anyway. Right. I mean, that was one of the little self-disclosure time here. That was one of the hardest things for me, I think, after my divorce. You know, it was, did I make a really bad decision here? You know, mm-hmm. it's it my trust meter like broken. Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to choose another person or even date another person, you know, given this track record? And, you know, if I had heard that quote, maybe I would have really understood that, like, it was about, do I trust myself? Because I think once I got to a healthy place in the dating process, and I began to trust myself, I knew that, you know, no matter what I did, I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because I could take care of me. Right. And I didn't need anybody else. The rela- If the relationship didn't work, it would be, like, crushing and whatever or not, and damaging on different aspects, but I would be okay. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that that's very important. I think sometimes when we wrap ourselves up in relationships and we think that, you know, I need this relationship to work and I stay because you just need it. But really what you need is for you to have trust in yourself. Right. And and I think that that really illustrates the importance of interdependence versus mm-hmm. codependence. Yeah. When we're codependent on somebody else, um, we rely on them to do things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And of course, if they leave, it is devastating mm-hmm. because we don't know how to do these things for ourselves. Right. So being in- an interdependent person that can provide for our own needs and I don't mean provide in the monetary sense but right. you know we can we can work out our problems and take care of challenging things on our own if we have to but of course you know we lean on our relationship because that's what relationships are for well sometimes it's just a matter of like I don't want to do it alone mm-hmm. yeah you know I want to do it with somebody else yep. even if the person that I'm doing with is broken it's at least somebody else yeah. you know and and that can be problematic too but knowing that like when push comes to shove, you know, I'm, I'm doing it and I can do it by myself. Right. And I'm, I can trust that I will be able to take care of. Right. And myself. what, and what we're talking about really to me illustrates competence. Right. I am competent to handle my own life in a way that, you know, maybe it'll be stressful or difficult, but I can be happy. I know how to make myself happy. I know how to do things that are good for me, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that brings us to, the all-important question of how do we strengthen or rebuild trust when it is damaged? Because that is a very difficult task. I know. And you gave me this one to like. Well. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Nate. <laughs> um, this is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. It's a hard one. I think people spend, well, I mean, I spent years trying to figure this one out. Mm-hmm. Um so it can take people a long time, I think, to come to this. Some people, it's like, nope, I'm done. I'm good. We're not rebuilding. Right. Um, and I've been reading a lot of different authors and people about how how you do this. The the one thing that I think I come across, like the general consensus is, is that it's probably best to get some really good professional help to do that um, in the form of maybe therapy or counseling for yourself mm-hmm. for the other individual and then together um, if you can afford if that, you can that's afford a lot. that. I, I and i get that but um it's it takes a little bit of like nuance and and finessing to rebuild trust especially right. if it's been a really damaging long amount of time where trust was not displayed right um because you're rebuilding it all and you can get caught into some really nasty patterns uh, that that need to be like broken and then rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it goes back to vulnerability. I mm-hmm. think we talked about in our last podcast, you know, being able to say, I'm going to be vulnerable again to the fact that this may not work mm-hmm. and they may not be trustworthy. And I'm going to try it again just to see. I'm going to test it out. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's important, you know, and I read one article where the, the author said that, you know, you don't need to give them all the trust at first, you right. know, maybe it's, Hey, I'm going to trust you to go pick up the milk for me. And then they do that. Great. You know, if they don't pick the milk up, you're not going to die kind of thing. So, you know, giving them opportunity to grow and build that trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's great and appropriate in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. What would you say on that? Well, you know, there there was 
there's this video that I watched a little while ago that I, that I told you about. And um, a neuroscientist was looking at perception. Perception being like, like say, the things that we see and how our brain formulates you know, things we see and right. hear and touch and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And when they were looking at, particularly at vision, um, they were they were looking at what was happening at the brain as people were looking at pictures. And they were looking at what the brain did, and they started to realize that that our what we believe is we see the thing, and and our vision just like creates it as it is. Mm-hmm. And what they realized is that's not what happens. Our vision sees bits and pieces. And then as we see more bits and pieces, our brain identifies it, but it's not a complete picture. Mm-hmm. And then the brain fills in the gaps. Well, the brain pulls up like, oh, I know that looks like an apple. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put an apple in. Right. It may not be the same exact apple that's right before you, but it's an apple. Right. Right. And so ultimately what the, the neuroscientist said was, was he said, there's this saying, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. And he said, the problem is, is that it's actually backwards. The truth is, is when I believe it, I see it. So mm-hmm. what they discovered was was once our brain believes it's looking at a thing, then it'll formulate the picture of that thing. Why the, are our brains so sneaky? <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty. It, it's pretty. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. So how does this apply? To me, this is a perfect illustration of of what we call the confirmation bias, yeah. which is once we believe a thing, that's what our brain sees. Yeah. And, and it has both positives and negatives. If you believe that the world is a beautiful, wonderful place, you know, you're, if you truly believe that, then the things that come into your perception will confirm that. And the things that, are, that actually confirm that it's a negative, terrible place kind of get rejected. Well, and I've read also that, like, you can get caught in that negative pattern to where it doesn't matter what you see. It's always you're going to automatically think it's negative, right? And if you think it's negative, it's always going to be negative, right? You know, it, it's the same as like if your you know your husband brings home flowers and it's a wonderful thing, but you're like, he didn't bring home the right kind of flowers. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't see the good thing for what it right. is because it's always just this is just negative, right? So, so to me, that's really one of the biggest keys. Is once our once our trust has been damaged, yeah, it's very easy to get in the confirmation bias that this person is not trustworthy, and and because of the way that our brain works, it's hard to see things that they do that actually are building trust because our brain is naturally rejecting it because the most important thought is the belief, right? So to me, like being open to the possibility, you know. I would almost say it would be better to to refrain from saying whether a person is trustworthy or not trustworthy and let them kind of prove it. Well, trustworthy is a little bit different. From what I've been reading, trustworthy is someone's ability to sacrifice for the relationship or the okay. good of the relationship. So, so whether or not they could be, you could trust them. Right. I right. think and is, is that's the better. That's the correct verbiage. Yeah. So for me, that that's what I really see is is are you willing to put away this probably fair judgment that that you can't trust them, right? In order to try and save a relationship, and then you have to be willing to at least be neutral on that 
be open to both the positives and the negatives, and then make a decision about whether or not you can trust the person. Um, I, I don't really know where I stand on the, well, you just need to believe that they are trustworthy because... For trusting. Sorry. They are <laughs> they are worth trust, not worth trusting, but they are... They, are, they can be trusted can, again. Thank you. <laughs> okay. This is too late at night. Um, so the, the one fear I have with that is working with Tony. I, I do work with a fair amount of people that um, have partners that at least show some symptoms of narcissistic personality yeah. disorder. Mm-hmm. And and we can easily put ourselves in a position where where someone that is not acting in our best interest could take advantage of our desire to trust. Absolutely. So if you're consistently being disappointed... Um, it feels good to trust, you know, you get the oxytocin and everything else, yeah. but, but, you know, we need to be as fair as we can. So, well, it was interesting. I was reading a, a book about infidelity and mm-hmm. that's like, I think one of the kind of really deadly, like trust killers yeah. is infidelity. Yeah. Um, but she was saying that one of the first things that needs to happen, if you really want to rebuild this relationship is the person that had the affair needs to be the person who is like actively trying to work on the relationship. And I would say that's kind of probably true for like the narcissist. Like, are they the one that is actually trying to save this relationship? And are they saying and doing everything that they're supposed to be doing? Not just saying it, but actually doing it too. And, you know, meeting the needs that you're bringing to them. Um, not just giving lip service and or ignoring or gaslighting um so yeah, you know that that's a that's a it's tough one. It it's is a really complicated one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's up to the person to make a decision on whether or not they it's worth all the difficulty to try and rebuild trust because yeah. it's a long it can be a long difficult process, and and so you know what are you willing to do? It can also be a beautiful thing. Like I, I yeah, really absolutely. am a believer that. You know, this uh, woman in her book said that, I think it's Esther Perla, she said that, you know, when you have an affair, your marriage has ended (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you start a new marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're going to have multiple marriages within this marriage. And and I like that idea. I think that in some ways, you know, if you are going to rebuild after infidelity, you really need to to rebuild and, and kind of start it from over and... And kind of look at it again. Mm-hmm. It, it it works so much better, and you can have a beautiful relationship afterwards. It's just going to take a lot of work. Yeah, and it takes both partners showing mm-hmm. up. Yep, yeah, Definitely. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so that is trust. Hopefully, that was helpful. A little bit about uh, why we want to trust. Some of the components of trust. Uh, a little bit of the neuroscience of trust and then what we can do to rebuild or strengthen trust. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that was helpful. Um, We might have a future podcast on trust, perhaps more related to like parent child, because that's another really important aspect of trust that, that applies a lot to um, attachment. And and I've got some really funny stories there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Kids are great at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for being with us today, and uh, we will see you next time.